0: From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm your host. Yeah, Doc Staples, that guy. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate in the Research Triangle, and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. And actually, the owner of Garage Makeovers. Nathan is uh he and I are gonna be headed down, well, down for me and up for him to Orlando for the LSU game this year. This will actually be the first game in fifteen years that I've attended, first Florida State game in fifteen years that I've attended in the stands rather than in the uh in the box or on the field or whatever. So it'll be a very different experience for me than I've had in a long time. Uh looking forward to having having a good time. Uh may be able to see some of y'all around. Uh I'll I'll be outside the stadium for a little bit uh, during the day on Sunday. Looking forward to that. So anyway, still have a lot to do before we get there. I want to go through the remaining uh, position groups in terms of previews, then do a larger season preview and then an LSU preview. So a whole lot left to do. Uh, This one, of course, releasing after the offensive line and quarterbacks preview. And this is the uh, wide receivers and, tight ends preview. I'm putting both of them together. We're just going to go ahead and do both of them that way. Uh, I'd prefer to do them separately, but you know, we're, we're running out of time. So I'm just going to put those together and they do make some sense together since there's a whole lot of flexibility built into this offense personnel wise, where guys can line up in different spots. And I think you're going to see a lot of different things. Now, as always, I like to sort of start this by evaluating what, how this roster how this year's roster compares to last year's roster and you know can can you expect improvement you know is it flat do you expect you know some uh diminishing returns compared to last year that sort of thing and when you look at these two groups you expect these two groups to be a good bit better than last year so whereas quarterback you know jordan travis last year had a had a good enough year that whatever improvement he does make he's you know, he's already, he's already really, really good. So your quarterback position, you kind of know, you you expect to have something in the same ballpark as what you got last year. Same at running back in general. You you expect to have something like what you got last year, maybe a little bit overall higher production just because of a better offensive line unit. When you get to these units, they're just flat out better. Now coming out of the spring, you'll remember I I'd said like, look, you, you feel really good about obviously Johnny Wilson continuing to get better you feel like you've got an absolute ma- a mismatch a, a matchup problem for defenses that is a, a heck of a trump card to be able to throw on the table you know you get into third and eight or that sort of situation third and 26 and you just throw it up to that guy and he gives you a chance in any of those cases you know you get down in inside the red zone and it's third and third and 12 from the 12 and you still got a decent shot because they're going to either have to double that guy or you know he's got a better than 50 percent chance of either drawing and drawing a uh, an interference or coming down with the catch even in those situations so you know that in itself helps you a lot so you had that but the thing i'd said coming out of spring is i wasn't i still was not sure how they were going to handle the replacement of pokey wilson coming out of spring kentron poitier was was sort of the the guy that had had stepped in and had been the most consistent guy in that role, but he's a different kind of player. And and what I observed was last year Johnny had some huge games, but you got to think about it. The guy that stepped up and made just enormous plays and plays down the field, big plays in some of the biggest games of the season, going even back to the LSU game with that huge catch on the on the uh, it was a one handed catch. In the end zone for a touchdown, obviously, uh, when Jordan Travis got rocked against LSU, that that catch basically that that put Florida State in a position where their confidence went sky high. That 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 changed the game for them, and he did that a good bit last year. You know, the long touchdown against Miami to start. So you know, Pokey and 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 I also said I think Pokey's going to make an NFL roster, and sure looks like he might. So. You know, don't underestimate how good that guy was. And I, I I said coming out of spring, I'm just not sure they have that guy on the roster. So the wide receiver position is going to be hard to have an upgrade if you if you can't really replace what Pokey brought to the table. And then they landed Keon Coleman in the uh, in the offseason. So now that as good as Johnny Wilson was last year. I'm not sure Johnny Wilson is the best wide receiver on this team. In fact, I don't think he is. I think he's really one B. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I actually think Keon Coleman will wind up being the top receiver in terms of yardage and production on the year on this team. I think Coleman's going to end up being, leading the team in, in yardage and, and receptions. Wilson might lead in touchdowns, maybe. But Coleman is a first-round talent. He's a guy that came in, and he is an immediate difference maker. And now you put him at 6'4", 215, opposite Johnny, And who are you going to double? You know, last year, Pokey was really good. And I think an NFL caliber receiver. I think he's going to make an NFL roster. And then you replace him with a guy that I think may well end up being a first rounder. And if he's not a first rounder, he's probably a second rounder. I don't think he slips below that. I think he ends up being a first rounder if he has the year that I think he's going to have this year. So you put those guys opposite each other. At six, seven and six, four. That's a serious matchup problem on each side. Okay. So you can match up with the one guy. Maybe you r- roll a safety over top. What are you going to roll the safety over the other guy too? You're going to commit four to two. <laughs> and that brings you into that inside area where, first of all, we're, we're going to combine these because I think Jaheem Bell kind of has to be treated as a hybrid player. He's not really a tight end. You know, he's listed and I think it's pretty accurate. He's listed at 6'3", 239 and and he's replacing Cam McDonald, a little taller, a little longer athlete than Bell, but nowhere near as dynamic or powerful or strong or sudden an athlete as Jaheim Bell is. Bell is rock solid. He's going to break tackles with the football. He's a more than capable blocker, though, not not so much of a mauler in line, but he's he's strong and, and physical and, and handles his business when he does block. And then I think he's a better catcher of the football. I mean, he he had about half the number of drops per opportunity that Cam McDonald had last year. McDonald struggled to catch football a little bit last year. And then you add to that that he is a big play threat, had some really long plays for South Carolina last year against quality defenses, including against Clemson. So now you've got that guy prowling around on the inside, and he's a guy that you can line up as a slot receiver at 6'3, 239. Because <laughs> he's sudden enough and quick enough to be that role. You can line him up in the H back. You can line him up. He he got carries in the backfield last year for South Carolina. They, they line him up at running back. And, you know, Florida State, Mike Norvell will do some of that. I mean, you're going to see some of the things where, you know, you hand it to the H back coming around some different counter stuff. He gives you some options there. And with a physical guy that with some burst. And actually, I mean, you look at him, he's a similar body type to Trey Benson, but bigger. And that's that's basically what you're dealing with there. So you put Wilson and Coleman on the outside. And. And. Everybody's gonna want to double both of those guys, but the problem is if you double those guys, you have a seam wide open for Jaheem Bell to do anything he wants in there. And you're not gonna sit not many people in the country are gonna be able to single cover that guy. <laughs> but if they do have somebody that can single cover that guy, now you wind up with the with the other option, with the fourth option. And Florida State's gonna play a lot of 12 personnel, which is you know, two tights, one back, or eleven personnel this year. When they're in twelve personnel, you're going to see Biscuit, you're going to see Marquistan Douglas or Kyle Morlock in there as the big tight end. Of course, Morlock, the the transfer from Shorter, at six six, he's definitely not shorter, 6'6", 239, and really natural catcher of the football. I I was I was surprised when I saw how he moved in the spring. He moves almost like a wide receiver at that size, really fluid and a very natural hands catcher. So, okay, if you, you know, you put him on the field, now you've got another huge, just enormous body, long body, it's hard to miss in the passing game, that now you've got those big receivers, you've got Jaheim Bell, and then you've got him, or, you know, Mark Easton Douglas, more of a mauler who also can catch the football, you see the basketball player there, but you, you kind of know what you got on him, much better athlete than, you, than you'd think he'd be at that size, like 280. What they would they list him at? I think he's at like two eighty five or something, and, and 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 I think that's legitimate. So you get those three guys; you could put all three on the field in certain short yardage situations, and all three guys are good enough receivers that they're a problem. Or you just line up two of those guys on the field with the two enormous wide receivers outside of them, and if they want to double the receivers, you just eat with the with the tight ends, and you have some you know, one-on-ones for your backs who can catch and run out of the field, out of the backfield. Got a lot of those things, but then you have the other option. And this is where things got really interesting in this camp. Cause I, again, with the departure last year of, uh, a pretty good, very consistent slot receiver, Micah Pittman, who's now at, at, uh, at Utah, you know, the question was, who's going to step in and 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 be that guy and how consistent can they be to fill that role? And the thing is, you, you kind of presume they're going to go to more 12 personnel. And that's, that was my presumption. You're going to go to a lot more 12 personnel because you've got a really good tight end room. And we haven't even gotten to Preston Daniels. I think Jarrell Powers is a, is a, is a player for the future. You know, Daniels, you know, not a bad option and was in the rotation last year. But I mean, I, I just don't know how much those guys are gonna be able to play this year outside of, you know, once FSU starts bludgeoning teams, because those first three are really are really, really good and they're gonna play. So, you know, I presumed that, well, you've got the that that good of a tight end room. You're just gonna play a lot more 12 personnel. And then the mytholo- the mythical creature, the unicorn. Destin Hill showed up, and not only did he show up, but he showed out all camp. And, you know, Winston Wright is going to play in the slot as well, and he's a good player. I don't think he's quite what he was at West Virginia. And even at West Virginia, you know, I don't think he is quite what some Florida State fans thought he was there. You go back and you watch, and he was a good player at West Virginia, but he was not, you know, a freakish dynamic uh, player who, you know, was just a can't-miss difference maker in the slot. Just a really, really good piece in the slot. Nice, a nice piece to add, a complimentary piece. And he is that, and he's going to be that. Good option to have on the field, but Destin Hill is special. And, you know, that's a guy that's going to play, not just, you know, maybe get some opportunities at punt returner this year, which, you know, I, I hope we do see him at punt and kick returner because the dynamic athlete that he is and how consistent he was able to be as a slot receiver in camp in terms of getting open, catching the football, doing things the right way. It's clear he is a really intelligent guy, really smart. He's going to be, I mean, I'm not sure how much you can really, really expect from a, from a true freshman. I mean, again, he's had extra time to mature and learn and do all those things in the couple years off. So I don't know, but even at that, I don't know how much you can really expect in the first month. I mean, when you go into LSU, do you really want the true freshman to be the one getting most of the reps there, even if he's looked great in camp and all that? Your security blanket is the is the veteran in, in, in Winston Wright. He's a good option at that spot. But if you feel that confident in Hill, you're looking at another NFL early round choice type guy that you're putting on the field in the slot. So now when you go 11 personnel and you go Wilson Coleman, Jaheem bell, and then you put Destin Hill out there, <laughs> this is a pick your poison situation. And this gets to something that I talked about a good bit in pre- I've talked about a lot in previous years of this podcast. And that is the importance of having five legit options on the field and ideally five true difference makers on the field. If you have that and you have a quarterback who can distribute your offense is essentially unstoppable. You're not going, you're, you're just not going to get stopped. Maybe if somebody has your, your signals, you know, it can help, but that's what made the 2013 team. If you think about that 2013 team, you had Kelvin Benjamin as a huge matchup problem on one side. So you try to double him. Well, then you get Rashad Green and you get Kenny Shaw and then Nick O'Leary at tight end. And you take those four guys and you stick them out there. And every one of those guys is a dynamic player at the college level. Every one of them. Every one of them not only can hurt you, but can make a big play from their spot. So it's a pick your poison. Who do you try to take away there? And if you just try to play them flat, then they're just going to eat you alive with the one-on-one matchup they like best. And that's not even considering the backs in the backfield. So this gets me to a question that I put off from the last mailbag until now, because this was relevant to this episode in particular. And that is, would you trade this year's wide receiver core for the 2013 group? That's a great question. And again, that 2013 group, Kelvin Benjamin, Rashad Green, Kenny Shaw, and then you had Christian Green as the fourth guy. And then I'm going to go ahead and throw Nick O'Leary in there as as the tight end. So that five, that group of five, is really the guys that played in 2013. And they stayed healthy all year too. But that group, that was basically the guys. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you compare this 2023 set of wide receivers and tight ends, or just wide receivers against their that, that set of wide receivers and tight ends against that set of tight ends, if you compare the 2023 units against the 2013 units, player for player, I'm taking the 2023 group every time. Every time. I think you're going to take Johnny Wilson by a hair over Kelvin Benjamin. Partly because, again, Kelvin had that enormous 2013 season, yes. But before 2013, he hadn't really done it yet. Johnny is coming into this year, and he's already done it, and he could absolutely replicate the sort of thing that that Kelvin Benjamin did. I'm not sure he's going to get all the the at-bats, because there's, I think, better around him. And then... As good as Rashad Green is, or was, and he was a great college wide receiver and a pretty good, I mean, he was a good pro receiver. You take Keon Coleman over him every time. And that is no disrespect to a great player. One of the best four-year careers in Florida State history at the wide receiver position. And it's one of the, one of the most storied programs at that position. Rashad Green was a great college player. And, and, you know, a viable pro player. But if you look, if you're a defensive coordinator, which guy would you rather face green or Coleman? And if you look at the traits and you look at what each guy brings to the table, I think, I think Coleman gets the nod there. Okay. So then you go to the slot, Kenny Shaw, really, really good slot, uh, slot receiver, more of a possession type guy, but really slippery, knew how to, understood how to get open, reliable catching the football, but not a super dynamic big play threat all the time. Now, I think you take Kenny Shaw over Winston Wright, largely because of the the injury. And, you know, I'm not sure Wright is is quite going to be able to match what Shaw was able to do there. But as Destin Hill gets onboarded, I think, yeah, he's not the veteran, not quite as, as much of a veteran presence as shaw but you talk about a much more dynamic athlete and a guy that makes that's going to be able to make bigger plays and be able to to do some things with the football that shaw couldn't hill is that guy and then you compare jaheem bell to uh, to nick o'leary and again o'leary a really really good college tight end but Bell is a more dynamic player and a more dynamic athlete. I think I'm taking Bell in that matchup. Now, that one's close because O'Leary, in terms of his consistency getting open, his just utter reliability as a as a pass catcher, very, very valuable. But if you compare them and you say, OK, you could have either one in, in either offense, I think, again, you're going with the superior athlete and Bell is a much better athlete. I think Nick O'Leary would say that. And then the bigger thing is you compare the overall tight end units and it's not close because you take Morlock and Douglas over the options behind Nick O'Leary in 2013, who were, do you remember? Probably not because they didn't play much. So I, and then, then you start looking at it. Okay. Then Christian green against Deuce span Darian Williamson. Poitier, those are all guys that are going to play. They had one other guy, really, on the 2013 roster that's going to play. They've got more depth, more quality depth. Deuce Span is a freak athlete. And then Poitier, really good athlete. These are guys that, and, and Williamson, an outstanding athlete. Again, 6'3". These guys are are rare athletes on the outside, and they've got a bunch of them and they all can play. So I'm taking this group over the 2013 team, both at tight end and at wide receiver. And it has not been since 2013 that you could say that at Florida State. You take 2013's group probably over last year's group. In fact, there's no probably because you take O'Leary at tight end. You take uh, the combination of Benjamin and, uh, and Rashad Green and on the outside over the combination of Wilson coming into last year and pokey. And then you take Kenny Shaw over Micah Pittman. So, you know, it's a pretty, pretty clear win on the part of 2013 compared to this year or compared to last year. That is, but I don't think that's the case with Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell on the, on the roster, let alone Destin Hill adding in there as well. The difference in, in top level quality and depth is significant. Cause I think, again, Johnny is very similar in terms of the kind of threat that he is compared to to Kelvin. You know, six six versus six seven, both guys close to two forty. I think Johnny's actually a little bit more freakish athlete. I mean, he's got a standing reach of like uh like nine feet. It's like eight ten, something like that. You know, my standing reach, I'm six one, all right. My standing reach is just shy of eight feet. Right. It's it's like seven, seven feet, 11 inches, something like that. Johnny Wilson, if he's up against a six, one corner who has, and I've got longer than normal arms. He goes up against a six, one corner. Who's built basically like me in that respect. And he's got a foot advantage before he leaves the ground in terms of reach. And that's just, you know, that's just absurd. And then you add the vertical, and, and, and he's going an he, to put up a filthy shuttle, shuttle time at the NFL Combine. So this is a really rare group. And I think if you, if, you asked, if you had a draft of units, and you took Florida State's wide receiver and tight end groups, and you went nationally, and you asked every coaching staff in the country, you can have this group or yours. There might only be one team in the country that says, nah, we'll, we'll keep ours. That's Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and that group, they're, they're, that's a whole different discussion. <laughs> those guys, those guys are, wow. Aside from Ohio State, I don't think there's another team in the country that doesn't trade with Florida State's group. I think Georgia takes Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, and Jaheim Bell, and they Struggle and, and Destin Hill and Winston Wright and Kentron Poitier and Wilson and Span. I think they take those guys. I think they struggle parting with their own tight end, you know, spectacular special tight end in Brock Bowers. But I think they make the trade, and that's what I think going to make this offense so dynamic. We're going to talk a little bit about this in the in the overall season preview. But if you look at where Florida State's offense is coming into this season. The thing that 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 they have, as I as I mentioned earlier, you go with the five weapons. You put Benson in the backfield, Wilson, Hill, Bell, and Coleman out there, and it is a pick your poison thing. If if they're going to match up with five guys, if they're going to one on one and on any one of those guys, you're confident that you one of your guys, whoever has the one on one, and there's probably going to be more than one on one on any given play. But whoever has the one-on-one, you're going to expect to win that one-on-one consistently. And not only win that one-on-one, but if Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman or Destin Hill or Jaheim Bell or Trey Benson get that extra space in the open field, they're not just getting 10 yards, 12 yards. Those are guys that are, that are taking it, running and hiding. They're going to they're gonna go to the house. These guys are all big play guys. And that, again, that that takes you back not only to the... So the 2013 team was was amazing. but They didn't have as many of those guys who had just run and hide. Now, Rashad Green did it a few times. He was always faster than people realize. But now you're starting to look at, like, what Clemson was when they had, uh, you know, New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Brandon Ford at tight end. They had Andre Ellington at, at running back and then they had uh, Jerron Brown and, and and ultimately it was Martavis Bryant as that as that that third wide receiver that that was a that was a team where you know no matter who you, who you you doubled they had guys that were big play threats but again you're going to take i mean do you take Andre Ellington over Trey Benson I don't think so right i mean you're looking at each of those situations and those guys actually have some advantages on the 2023 team you know, maybe you'll look at the 2018 clemson offense and again similar kind of freakish group you've got t higgins at wide receiver you've got maybe garrett williams at at, at, t- at tight end you got amari rogers and hunter renfro and then etn that's that's close but again i think if you were going to look at all those guys I think you take Keon Coleman over Amari Rogers. I think you probably take Johnny Wilson and, you know, that's probably a draw maybe with T Higgins or you take Wilson over, uh, over Rogers and then, you know, make it a draw between Higgins and, and Keon Coleman and then ETN. Okay. Maybe let's say, you know, give the benefit of the doubt to ETN over Trey Benson. I'm not sure you do that, but okay. ETN over Trey Benson, but not by a mile. Now Renfro in the slot, you're going to take him over anybody Florida State's got there, including uh, Destin Hill, I think, this year. But then at tight end, Garrett Williams, I think you're taking, I think you're taking Florida State's situation at tight end over the combination of what Garrett Williams and Milan Richard that they had in 2018. Now, you take Trevor Lawrence over. <laughs> over uh jordan travis that's that's no slight on travis but the elf was special but that's the kind of weapons that florida state is surrounding travis with is that kind of you've got five weapons and you can go to any one of them at any time and they're that guy's gonna have won his matchup and not just that but You, again, have that matchup problem who, regardless of how good the defense is that you're facing, let's say they're just so good up front that you can't really run the football. You're going to have one of your receivers. If they, if they choose to double both outside receivers, you're going to have advantageous matchups somewhere on the inside that you can take advantage of. And if they leave one of those outside receivers open in terms of a one-on-one, that guy, again, you've got, and this is how Clemson beat Alabama. Twice in national title games when it came down to it, T Higgins, you know, that, that, those guys won their matchups against the one-on-one coverage of Alabama. Clemson would get in, you know, second eight situation, and then they'd throw a back shoulder and, you know, 16 yard gain first down <sighs> that, that changes things when you can do that. And Florida state is in a position where they're going to be able to do that a lot this year. And again, if you try to take that away, you start rolling guys over the top, you do all that, and now you've got a you know rare athlete in Jaheim Bell running up the seam wide open. Or you, know, you go light box, and all of a sudden you've got Trey Benson in the secondary, and that's a problem. Or let's say you're good enough. Let's say you're in Alabama or in Georgia, and Florida State, if they get as far as they hope to get this year, they're probably going to play one of those types of teams. And You know, LSU is no slouch in game one. Let's say you're good enough to where you're winning some of those matchups on the outside. You double one guy and you, you've got a corner that's good enough to win at least some of the matchups on the outside so that that's not quite as automatic. And you can take away the run game with the defensive line that's so good that in the light box, Benson's not getting space. And you've got, you know, the backers to be able to cover some some of the some of the zones against uh and and, and handle Bell and, and maybe Destin Hill or Winston Wright. You, you you can you can cover those guys. Let's say you have those athletes, just for the sake of argument. Florida State still has the same kind of trump card that that Clemson used with Deshaun Watson. And that's Jordan Travis's legs. Okay, fine. You just took away the running game, you took away the passing game. Have you taken away the quarterback run game? That's where things change and the the capacity of Florida State to put two difference makers on the field on the outside and then another difference maker on the field, not just a good player, but a difference maker and a big play threat at tight end H back and then another big play threat at the slot and then big play threats at running back. The ability to do that then allows you to have that final card to throw on the table and say, oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> now the quarterback's running for 40 yards upfield. That changes things. So I think this wide receiver group and the upgrades in the wide receiver group and in the tight end room are what ultimately facilitate Florida State being an offense that is is significantly better than last year's. And last year's was a really good one. But I think this year this year's is one of those that doesn't have the dud games that last year's did. When they, you know, there were a couple games where the wheels kind of spun and they just weren't able to get out of neutral. I think the combination of more depth on the offensive line and then more difference makers on the field at once means that Florida State's going to be a team that's going to be very difficult. I think they may well score over 30 points in every game this year in the regular season. And if they do that, they've got a chance. they got a good chance of going 12 and 0. Now, there are a couple teams that they're going to play, a few teams, probably three teams that you expect to score over 30. So, you know, those are the team; those are the games you got to win. Those are the games your defense has to get enough stops. But I think, I think this offense is probably going to score over 30 in every game. And it's largely because of these units and the improvements on, on the offensive line as well. But it's these units and the difference makers there where, you know, Jimbo Fisher used to talk about guys who changed the scoreboard. And, you know, guys like Jaheem Bell, Keon Coleman, Destin Hill, those guys changed the scoreboard and th- those guys weren't on this roster last year. And that changes it. That changes things a lot. All right, that'll do it for us. This has been unconquered with Doc Staples. I'm Doc Staples. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank my advertising partners, EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Real Estate at shenrealestate.com and the Research Triangle of North Carolina, Garage makeovers in South Florida. And then, of course, if you have not stopped by the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, you can buy stickers and all sorts of other gear. Go ahead and do that. Always helps support the podcast. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger. Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Haswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Koshishki, Dave Blair, and Burt Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Post us on social media and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.